0: The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Live from the Co-Filled Oil and Propane Studios, here's attorney Bill Amadeo.
1: Yeah. All right. I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Bravehold Associates, and today we're going to briefly talk about my recent trip to Trader Joe's. Now, for those of you in Washtenaw County, let me start with a recommendation. Do not go to Trader Joe's on a Sunday unless you feel like getting annoyed or you really are the people watching. And I feel like tons of idiots I don't like knew I would be at Trader Joe's this morning and saw an opportunity just to jump in. I don't know. I I know it had to be irony, but here we are. So let, let me set the stage a little bit. At Trader Joe's on Sunday, this is a big day. I mean, people go there apparently to discuss their relationship problems. The college kids got their financial aid check or mommy and daddy sent them some money. Um, people in gear, and I'll explain it in a minute, are trying to protect themselves. People are fighting for carts. And these are people that wouldn't fight if they were punched and spit in the face. But inside Trader Joe's, they get, I guess we call it vegetable muscles, like beer muscles. I don't know. A very weird group and it starts and I just I listed several of the people that I ran into I'm not gonna mention names I'll give circumstances but wow what the hell so I'm in the gym this morning I just got back from a funeral and I'm in the gym and I text Kara like hey anything before I come home? Gonna stop by the office for a minute. <coughs> she says, "Hey, can you stop at Trader Joe's?" Now, right there, I cringe. She loves stuff from Trader Joe's. I'm going to accommodate, but uh, this is the last place I want to be, because weird stuff always happens to me at Trader Joe's. Now I'm in sweats. I didn't shower. I'm just gonna run home and shower. Weird stuff's gonna happen. And I guarantee I'm gonna run into people. And I do. First person I run into is a cop. A cop who I can't stand. And this individual, what I do in these situations, when somebody I don't like is in a public setting, if we have to run into each other, I like do a nod and walk away, or I avoid. There's this new rule, right? You don't have to engage in conversation with people you don't like. And I can't stand this person. They can't stand me. But of course, they come strolling across and talk to me. Uh, What's up, John? So, this individual, she yells, YOU SHOP HERE, WHAT THE HELL? I'm kind of looking, because she's kind of making a scene. And I'm sitting there. Meanwhile, Kara's sending pictures of new things she wants. Okay, we'll get to her in a minute. And I'm just looking like, (laughs) hard to believe. And this woman's going on and on. And I said, you know what? I hope you're saving your pension. What's up, Joe? And that was a joke about a case, but I'll leave it at that. So then, the cop, who approached me in public and screamed at me, finally catches on to my wit like a minute later, not the sharpest tool in the shed, like, doesn't get the joke and then realizes as they're walking away, you're threatening me, all right, enjoy your Trader Joe's. Then a prosecutor walks in. And it's a prosecutor I can't stand. And again, they can't stand me. And they're there with their significant other and of course we come upon the freaking pumpkin bread now as Kara text the pictures of the pumpkin bread she doesn't have enough faith that I could find on my own it's fine I zone in on the pumpkin bread and Jewel is like hey get like 10 of them it's seasonal we don't want to be out without the pumpkin bread alright so of course the pumpkin bread, we weren't the only ones in Washington County that wanted this goddamn bread. So they got it high up, and as you guys know, I'm short. So here I am, in my finest clothing, probably not smelling great after the gym. And I'm leaping up to get my wife this pumpkin bread, and not just one, but I'm getting ten. Of course the prosecutor I don't like and their spouse see this. And they're watching. Surprise not filming it. And they're seeing me, the defense lord I don't like, leaping for the pumpkin bread that my wife has instructed me to get. And I'm counting out the pumpkin bread. She won at ten. That means you get eleven. Okay? That's Jewel language. And um the prosecutor says to me. <laughs> You know, Eli Savage is a strong supporter of the UAW, and I've heard you've had union involvement. Now, I don't know. Me and savage have had some issues lately, and I'm a big union guy from Jersey, and hearing that he's a strong union person, I just... You know, I'm sitting there like... I was going to start asking questions about how many strikes Eli has been in, and did his family ever lose money during a strike like we did in Atlantic City? But I I shut up. And I said to them, you should really try this pumpkin bread. My wife says it's delicious. And I walk away. Now, apparently, Sunday morning at Trader Joe's, a lot of weird relationship discussions go on. I don't know why, but they do. So Kara continues to send another picture. Um, She sends me pictures of ice cream sandwiches she wants now. I asked her where they're at. She's told me they're in the ice cream section. Very helpful. There's only like four of them there, but that's okay, I'll find them. Um, And I get to the ice cream section. And of course, there's a young lawyer I know there. And he's crying while picking up. He's deciding what ice cream to get, and he's crying. i like, oh God, he's gonna to wanna to talk to me. He goes, Bill, like, oh my God. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. Are, are you having relationship problems too? I'm like, what? Why would you think I'm having relationship problems? Because we well, you're getting ice cream. Yeah, 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 the, the wife sent me pictures and uh, she wanted ice cream. Is that why you're getting ice cream? You're having relationship problems and he's crying. And he tells me the girl he's dating and how she's interested in somebody else and he's trying to win her back with Trader Joe's ice cream. You can't make this shit up. So, he turns me for advice. And and I know he might be watching, so if you're watching, I'm not going to mention your name, but I'm going to tell Facebook what I told you. The first thing I asked was, she don't want to be me anymore. Does she have any good-looking friends? And he looked really confused. But I'll tell you, certain guys out there, you'll get what I'm saying there. Okay, stop. Knowing this individual I say to him you shouldn't be losing sleep or wasting your money on ice cream over her but if you gotta get her something from Trader Joe's that you think's gonna really appeal to her there's a nice selection of wine over there (laughs) he looked really confused hey Dave so I don't know I walk away, Uh, I get in the line, you know, and at Trader Joe's, they hit that bell, ding, ding, ding. You got to move up your cart. And I'm sitting in this long line and there's, there's a man with a helmet on. And he wants to engage in conversation at this point, like my head's in my phone. I want to get the hell out of here. It's like, so you come here a lot. come Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Sundays. So I said innocently, so you rode your bike here. And he replies, no. Now he's got a bike helmet on. Okay. And we're just staring at each other. And he goes, oh, it's because of my helmet. And I'm like, yes. And he tells me, "Well, things get a little rough around here at Trader Joe's, so I always come prepared." He taps his helmet. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he told me one time he came to Trader Joe's, and he caught an elbow to the head because somebody was fighting him for a cart. Now, I, I, I don't know. I'm just like, this is the longest. line. what do I say to this guy? I'm like, oh, I help him. I like your helmet. I mean this poor guy got beat up at Trader Joe's going for a cart. I remember would leave the freaking house but he's got his helmet on. Okay. As we're in line, there's these two U of M students and they are double majors. One of their majors is gender studies, but they're also a double major i want to be clear. Now you may ask yourself, how do I know this? Well, they kept announcing it. It was like the secret everybody wanted you to hear. And they were like, oh yeah, I'm a gender studies major and I'm a double major. I'm like, all right, I don't think they heard you down in the frozen pea aisle. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, I got the pumpkin bread and I got the hell out of there. And that... Jails on a Sunday.
0: The jail visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800 392 7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiyawasi Radio.
1: So, the other night, um, maybe last week, I, know, I did a blog about high school clicks and parties you know, there were some mixed reactions to that one. It was weird. Because some people that were watching had experienced that. And I want you to understand something, guys. We can only tell a story through our lens, right? The ones of us that are a step above, a cut above, or whatever, we try to read it through the other person's eyes. Most people are not deep enough to do that. And I certainly try to make that effort. But I also... When I get in telling a story from the past, I get lost in the moment. One of the things that's exhausting about these at times is I go back to the moment. And after that particular blog, somebody sent me a song. And they said, this is how I feel when I listen to your blog the other night. And it got me thinking about music music has been such a big part of my life like i cannot write a brief without having my headphones on if i'm not working out with adam's son who is the best trainer in michigan shameless plug there if i'm not working out with adam and i'm on my own i gotta have my music on and the thing that's amazing about music whether you were a poor kid on willow Avenue or a lawyer living on lore road music has stood the test of time and it's weird with certain songs i'm a big lyrics person you know and as somebody who wrote a little bit in the past it's i hear you emily thomas i agree with that it speaks to emotions the heart can but you know on that thought, them have you had a song that meant something to you at one point in your life and you look back on it with a different view today because that's kind of where I'm at with a few of these things and there's so many powerful songs that have played a role in my life but what I've decided today I'm going to take a couple songs got a few and um, I want to tell you where I was when the song hit me and then how I view things today or how I view things at different points in my life. And it's kind of like a little bit of a life story through music. And it hit me when somebody who used to be a friend actually sent over a song which we view in very different a lot, very different ways. The first song I'm going to talk about is Black by Pearl Jam. This came out in 1991. So I'm going to try and not completely go back in the moment with some of these, cause some of these moments are tough, but, um, yeah. Scott Zolbert, may he rest in peace was one of my few friends from the right side of tracks growing up and uh he had pearl jam 10. and my favorite song on that tape and i had the tape back then scott let me the tape i should say was black i remember before my first mock trial tournament and i am um, i went to my mom's room mom was at work in the casino I had a little room to the right, she had a room to the left, and I would go in her room and just play music on my little tape deck in there and just sing or focus or whatever to try to overcome the day. And it was weird because as you looked out of mom's room, you saw the violence of Pitney Village. But here I am before my first mock trial tournament, it's my junior year. Um, and. Everybody's talking about all these great songs, but the one song, Black, just stuck out to me. And I remember Aunt Mary telling me before I went up to the room that night, she goes, hey, tomorrow, you're going to change the world. And I'm like, it's a mock trial tournament. She goes, no, tomorrow, you're going to change the world. Go try to relax. And I didn't know what that meant at that time. The term changing the world is such a subjective thing. But i sat in my room and mom's room i should say and like the fear of pitney village was quashed for a minute and i'm focused on this mock child tournament and i'm replaying it in my mind and you're this 16 year old kid from the wrong side of the tracks and the lyrics that hit me so goddamn hard Eddie Vedder is pouring his heart out in this song, right? And you can tell this is before the money and the fame and the women, all that happy horseshit. The lyrics I know one day you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. But why can't it be mine? And I don't know, we could all interpret that differently, but I knew. When I heard Eddie Vedder say those powerful words, in black, that I knew my future wasn't going to be in Jersey. And I knew what was going to happen tomorrow was going to dictate everything. And I played that song over and over again. And I'm just this kid looking at myself in the mirror, playing this tape till it popped remember that when it popped how you would roll it back and the song was so powerful you took a chance on losing the tape again now you had to give your friend 10 bucks for it if it went bad but which was a big number back then And as eddie vedder played black the last time i listened to it before i went to bed i kind of knew that we were going to win that tournament the next day i knew it was going to be the start of a very different path for me today when i listen to that song it's weird because now i'm that 16 year old kid again at times and i look at it today you know you live so much more in those years right what's he really talking about well he's talking about a girl he lost he's talking about somebody he loved about somebody that chose somebody over him okay and i get all that but the way we internalized the lyrics to me it was about escaping the hood. I'll always be fond of Pearl Jam and when I think back to the song Black on Pearl Jam 10 I go back to Willow Avenue I go back to Gloria Neary's room and looking out at Pitney Village and for a minute just thinking things are gonna be okay yeah damn good song the next one is Disarmed by the Smashing Pumpkins. Siamese Dream Album, 1993. And this is right before the state championship for Mock Trial Junior year. Let me explain that. Mock Trial was such a big deal to so many people. I remember trying out for the team because my aunt wanted me to mr grad's yell wanted me to i just wanted to play baseball but once you were in there you started understanding the powers that be what football was to the athletic crew mock trial became to the academic crew and i'm not in those high classes i'm just not at that point the dyslexia is bad i don't even know what it is and the state title's coming up they let us leave early from school that day because we had to go to the courthouse and um we had to go home and shower and look pretty and all that happy horseshit and uh i go up to the bathroom to get groomed and all that and i'm playing disarm on my handheld radio tape deck And I see the fear in my aunt's face. And I don't know why she's so scared. And then I see the stress in all the coaches' face. I'm replaying everything. And I'm realizing this state tournament meant so much to so many. As I'm hearing Billy Corrigan sing Disarm, I'm sitting in my bathtub and our one bathroom apartment in the hood just um it kind of hit me that everything that's so important to everybody else I, I kind of missed it right and I started thinking about conversations differently and remember that Miss Gandia was telling me how this state title was so important. And I realized at that moment, they didn't like Miss Gandia. When I say they, the powers that be. Keith Graziel was a great guy, but just like the school of Exeter High was segregated, so were the teachers. You know, the ones that taught the rich kids had a different level of respect. And the ones told the poor kids and the minority kids, minority kids, most of who were poor at that time, wrote that differently. and Dia did not give a shit about Atlantic City High School winning a mock trial state tournament in 1993. What and Dia cared about was one of her kids playing a vital role in that. And it all hit me as we're preparing to go into this battle, if you would, and this arm is playing, and I'm hearing the pain in Billy Corgan's voice, and I can't help but think, man. Aunt Mare, and Mom, and Gandhi, and as bad as things are, things are bad financially, all these amazing people In one way or another, have sacrificed for me to be able to play a role in this state championship tournament. It was more important to them than it was to me. I think part of me, as a frustrated, poor 16 year old kid, who doesn't know what's going on? I mean you don't really know how poor you are till you know how poor you are. You don't know how bad things are till you learn about it, right? Ignorance is bliss. And the learned behavior is such a goddamn thing. I mean But I learned that day and it's something that's really served me well in life. For those I care about. For those I love. For those in my inner circle. For those that need something. The needs of them. Is more important than the needs of me. I'll always be okay. But the ones. I really give a shit about. If I gotta bleed. For them to survive. It's not even a debate. That day made me a better friend. It made me a better person. It made me a much better lawyer. And as the weight of the world and all these people's dreams is on my shoulder, I went out there, I mean, I performed perfectly because what choice did you really have, right? And I wanted them to be happy. When we were taking our pictures and all we won that state tournament, I didn't really care about slapping thigh with Elliot Geller. You know, I didn't care about being in the picture with all the old Amorgate kids. I didn't care that girls start to look at you differently. I just to look out there and see Aunt mayor and Mom and Miss Gandhi with such pride in their eyes that their boy did something to show that this chaos system is complete bullshit. That's what disarm meant to me as a junior in high school. And when I look at it today, you know, it's weird. When I listen to that song today, it's played a role in so many things in my life. The song has been inspiration to put in more hours when I was exhausted. The song actually taught me about myself. I don't know Billy Corrigan. I don't know anybody from the Smashing Pumpkins. But I know they were inspirational to a young kid from the hood. And I always will appreciate that. <sighs> Third song on the list. Found Out About You by the Gin Blossoms. Oof. Yeah. New Miserable Experience was the album in 1992. You know, and this was senior year of high school, and senior year we lost in the state finals. And uh, by senior year, you know, you kind of took on a new life. Things were changing. And what I learned about that song, and it's, it's hallowing, right? You learned about the bands. I always liked the Gin Blossoms. They were different. And you learned that Doug Hopkins was a major player in the band. And their label forced the band to get rid of Doug Hopkins. Doug Hopkins was this amazing songwriter and he was a bad alcoholic and he had his issues with narcotics and he just could not perform on the level that the label wanted them to. And the band was so loyal to Doug Hopkins that they wouldn't, they were willing to give up their chance at millions and fame and fortune to be loyal to him. And the label went up to Doug Hopkins and they said, hey, here's $15,000. You sign over the royalties to your songs. And Doug Hopkins, desperate for money, does it. Now today we learn that's an adhesive contract and it would not hold up in court. Uneven bargaining power, right? But he did give up. And when he signed away his rights, the poor band at this point's like, well shit. We gotta do what we gotta do. And their album killed it. And their big hit was Hey Jealousy, but found out about you. That was talking about when they were suffering it was talking about the girls that were kind of groupies moving on to bigger bands cuz they overlooked who the gin blossoms were and the Doug Hopkins tragedy hmm. and the lyrics that get you at the end and if you listen to the song and i'll i'll try to post some of these later if you listen to the song and I'll break it down. The last stanza is some of the most powerful stuff I ever heard in my life. He says, Street lights blink all through the car window. I get the time too often on AM radio. Stop for a minute. This is a guy who's lost. This is a guy who's driving around and he's searching AM radio to try to find existence. And then he says to her, and he's singing to her, whoever she is, Well, you know it's all I think about. I write your name, drive past your house, your boyfriend's over, I watched your lights go out. And you could feel the pain in this guy's voice. And as years went on, this was senior year, I don't know, I started to see things differently with some of the members of the mock trial team. Now it became important to me, because it's important to Gandhi, it's important to Aunt Mare, it's important to mom. But it wasn't important to the team as much anymore. Now they were experiencing their first loves and confusion about somebody picking someone else over you and all this other shit. And I don't yeah, shit, we didn't win the national, we didn't win the state championship, this sucks. And I watched this song play such a role in heartache and despair and I guess what I learned from that song, you don't know what's going on inside somebody's head. And I think of a friend of ours from Jersey. I won't mention his name. I can't mention his name. You know, and he loved this girl. And he loved this girl. And she left him. And nothing he did it just weren't meant to be and he killed himself over her and he was a little older than us but this was just a good person right and i wish i knew about life then what i know now i think i could have played a role in helping him survive because if you're watching this you are so much better than that person and the world lost somebody so amazing. But I, when I hear found out about you, I think about him. Yeah, well, what he must have been going through. It. I gotta tell you, I've never felt strong enough about somebody to want to hurt myself. Never. And it's such a permanent resolution to a temporary problem. But we don't know what's going on inside somebody's head. And I feel like when Doug Hopkins wrote those lyrics, it was a cry for help. Today, there's this band called Punchline. They redid the song and it's amazing. I look at it more like this amazing cautionary tale. When I think back to my youth and that song, I love the song, but I just can't connect to the pain the singer has towards the individual but I could feel that pain in others that's rough next song this one hits way too close to home but um the song Joey by Concrete Blonde all right so she's singing about a guy And she say, it's okay, I got the money and I'll make things work. And the guy is drunk and he's passed out on the floor. And this woman is trying to fix all the things wrong. And it makes me think of mom. My mom was in a bad relationship, really bad relationship. So bad that I I try to take care of that situation. I think that's what you will. My mom would listen to that song and she would cry about this guy, and it was a guy who she was financially supporting. And a guy that she put the family relation in front of. And I realized mom, who I love and miss every day. But she was looking for something that we just couldn't provide. You know, she wanted to be accepted. That's what I hate about these goddamn clicks Because Aunt Mare and Mom and Miss Candia, they taught me to stick it up the clique's ass. But nobody was there to teach them that, so they suffered through that bullshit. And when I hear Joey by Concrete Blonde it angers me. And I will tell you today, I am so proud of the fact. I've never taken a dime from a woman. Whether it was a friend or romantic relationship, I've never had a woman buy me dinner. I've always picked up the tab. I've always been what a man's supposed to be. What I learned in that relationship is I cannot stand men living off of or taking advantage of women. And I think back to that scumbag taking advantage of my mother. And when I hear Joey from Concrete Blonde, as great of a song as it is, it brings me back to this time period. And it just, you know, I've said this before and I mean this. Everybody's relationship is their relationship. And if you're not in it, you have no right to comment on it. But when I feel a woman's getting taken advantage of some way or another by a man I have flashbacks to my mother and the song Jelly by Concrete Blob and it hits me in a very weird place. Follow you down by the Gin Blossoms. From the album Congratulations, I'm sorry in nineteen ninety six. I'm in college. And um about twenty at this point. And they the Jim Blossoms wrote this song right after Doug Hopkins died. It was kinda like an ode to him. He sadly committed suicide. And for me, this song was about growing up. I kinda realized at this point of life that um baseball was not gonna happen. I'm like playing travel baseball and I'm trying to hang on to a dream, but I'm working 40 hours in the casino. I'm taking 16 credits in school. I'm trying to play, travel, baseball, and something's got to give. And follow you down was just like, it was reality kicking in. You're gonna do some things in life, but baseball is not gonna be one of them. And if something's got to give, it's gotta be baseball. It can't be the casino because you gotta support Aunt Mary and Mom. It can't be college, that's your future. And it's one of those situations I always say, we gotta cut off the finger to save the hand. And follow you down is like this dose of reality. And what I've learned today, no matter how hard we try, we can't save everybody. We just can't. God knows I've tried. People have come in contact. But follow you down from the gym blossoms a hard dose of reality it reminded me hey some dreams can't come true and you know what that's okay doesn't mean because you can't play professional baseball you can't do amazing things but um follow you down talks about endings and today i look at it like oh boy Start relationships and friendships and stuff there's a reason something's got to end and while it may suck initially sometimes it's the best thing in the world don't forget that guys champagne high by sister hazel the fortress album 2000 Champagne High is about a guy watching um, this girl get married, who he really cared about. And for some reason, he attends the wedding. Very odd. And, you know, right before the New Jersey bar exam, um, an ex-girlfriend of mine, she got married and she was at the New Jersey bar exam. She was there. She actually sent me the video there's a lot that goes into her she's a psychological study in and of herself right but I remember she's happy and she's married well I mean she at least pretended to be happy and married and we're taking the bar exam and I learned something weird about myself those two days in New Jersey um this was a shot at depression this is long before success long before jewel was in the picture long before there was teddy and Maxie and all these great things this is like you're out of law school and you're taking the bar and you're in financial aid debt and there were some nerves going at that first bar exam I mean, let's just be real and when she sent me that song i went out there like i performed perfectly and i realized that day It was a reminder that sometimes depression with me has led to amazing professional results and that's just i'm an anomaly in that regard today when i think of the song champagne high i'm like wow great song amazing lyrics but dude why are you going to the wedding there'd be something good on netflix that day we won't The Skeletons album by Hawthorne Heights in 2010. The one song, Nervous Breakdown. That was such a dark time for me. And I know I'm going to hurt some feelings with this one, but... Have you ever been in that relationship you got to get out of? That was where I was at in 2010. Um, the song, Nervous Breakdown just listen to what jd is saying in that song it's powerful and you know it's weird because i look back at that now and it's 13 years later and i could listen to that song now with joy when i think in that time it was more like therapy for me powerful track the last two Paper Wings by Rise Against, 2004. So 2004 was the start of law school for me. And um, during the Eric Coleman trial, may he rest in peace. When I wasn't bothering Jewel with my openings and closings, and I wasn't calling Scotty Z for help. Poor world lost him. And Charlie Michael great guy miss Charlie. He was such a stress reliever during this time period, but um I would walk around and listening to paper wings by rise against and the lyrics Are so powerful and it's really about Not being able to read somebody Not being evasive I can't tell if you're laughing we need smile there's a tear in your eye he nails it and something about that song made you realize we were going to win that trial this was my first time on the biggest stage professionally um and it's a tone for so many things after but rise against from paper wings was more powerful in trial prep any discovery i've ever read my go-to in those tough times. And the last song about tonight is Something Loud by Jimmy Eat World and this was the song that somebody from the past sent me recently after my high school clicks vlog last week. Let me be clear, Jimmy Eat World's a New Jersey band, right? And The song is just, you know, they're with an independent label now. And they're sitting there talking about their past. Hold on. I'm not going to play it right now, but I do want to pull up these lyrics because there's this one stanza, and I don't know it by heart yet. Yeah. friends of the show in 95 miss every one of them there's a moment that you die or move on to live every one of us did what I take from that <sighs> and what the person who sent me that song took from it they told me I can't judge them and listen to those lyrics I want to be clear on something My pros or blogs, however you want to label them, it is not meant to judge. But I'm telling you this, I was there, I know what happened, I lived it. And I think sometimes it's easier to sugarcoat a memory than to deal with the reality of the situation. And I mean no disrespect by saying that. You know who I'm talking to right now. And I've known you since we're 14 years old. And I know when you sent that song, you're trying to say that I forgot where I came from. Let me be real. I could never forget where I came from. Let me rephrase. I will never forget where we came from and where we came from was hell you know it and i know it but there were many that had it worse than us but if you want to go back in time because you socialize with certain people today and say oh it really wasn't that bad if that helps you get through the day what you got to do but I'm not going to apologize for anything i accomplished i'm not going to sugarcoat shit that happened in 1993 or 1994. we were there in that house we know what really happened and in no way was that a knock on you i was advocating for you but because certain people at their cocktail parties in new jersey May say, oh, without Amadeo, he's talented, but he doesn't do things the right way. Well, okay, kiss my ass. It doesn't matter how you catch a fly ball. What matters is if you get the out for your team. But by the way, till this day, my hand still goes on top of the glove in case that ball there pops out. And when I catch that ball, I am firing into the cutoff, man. Cause that's the way we were told to survive. I rather win and do it in a politically incorrect manner than look good and lose or hurt people I'm supposed to be fighting for. Don't forget that. I will not apologize for who I am or what I am. And whether or not you like it, we are the same. And it's true. I am more successful than you, and I'm not gonna apologize for that. But when you were out taking their crumbs, I was working the graveyard shift at Tropicana and studying to get my family to fuck out of ghetto. So when it comes to sacrifice and success in terminologies, let's be careful. Because sometimes we look back on a situation and maybe you think you're a little better than you were Or maybe you put yourself down you think you're worse than you were. What I try to do for better and or for worse is keep it real. If keeping it real upsets people, don't tune in. If my existence upsets people, what I've learned, that's a problem with them, not a problem with me. I gotta tell you guys, I played a lot of shit in my head the last few weeks cases and history and historical views and this and that i have never ever wronged somebody who did not attack someone i loved first and talk about physical okay because physical you hit me you're getting hit unless you're a woman i'm walking away like a real man should do But let me be extremely clear. When it comes to that battle, that edge, that shit you see, if I'm fighting for someone or something I care about, that's not personal, that's internal. But I haven't wronged anybody, I really haven't. I may have upset people with things I said. I may be misunderstood. I haven't wronged those. That claim I have, I have never thrown a first punch in my life. I've never taken a dime from a woman. I've never started a physical altercation. I've never lied about discovery. I've never broken the rules for my own advantage. I have pushed the level of the rules to advocate for my clients. I have outworked my competition. I have not always done it in the most politically correct manner. But for you to judge me based upon a blog, when we both lived that experience and I'm keeping it real, I'll make the Z's as I can. If you want to come on Facebook with me and split the screen up, I can tell my version, you can tell yours. Let the world aside. who's being real and who's not. I gotta tell you, I may be an asshole at times, I may be arrogant, but I am not a liar. If keeping it real upsets you, then I suggest you don't tune in.